Coming to theaters January 26th, Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. Was it the rapture? Yes, I saw it happen. After millions of people vanish and the world falls into chaos, a charismatic leader rises to become head of the United Nations. How do we know who we can trust? Trust God. Starring Kevin Sorbo, Neil McDonough, and Corbin Burnson. Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. This film is not rated but suitable for ages 13 and up in theaters for four days only beginning January 26th. Go to leftbehindmovie.com. confusion, amplifying truth, and pursuing clarity. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. Kevin McCullough, very glad to have you with us, and I am always uh, pleased to welcome my next guest uh, because she is not only one of the smartest women in, um, in, the, in the entire country when it comes to uh, the world of sports, specifically the NFL, which uh, in my book, if you're female and you, and you can recite NFL chapter and verse, that's pretty cool. She's also taking on uh, a whole new chapter in her broadcast career as the host of the Sideline Sanity podcast with the Salem Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Michelle Tafoya. Hey, Michelle, wow. good to have you. What a nice intro. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, and we haven't talked since the very first week you were on. So now that you've been doing it for a while, how, how do you like the podcast gig? I like it a lot. It's very, it, there's a lot of freedom. I can talk about whatever the heck I want to talk about. <laughs> no, no one tells me what I can or can't, you know, touch upon. And I like that freedom. I really enjoy having unusual guests. Um, and and broaching some topics in a way that I that I like to, so it's been it's been a lot of fun. I I'm think sh- for, I'm sure going from NBC to Salem is kind of like a little bit of a mind warp. I mean, for, <laughs> in terms of what you're encouraged to think about, do and say. Well, you know, I, no one ever told me what to think about or say when I was at NBC Sports. I will give them great credit for allowing me to go do some speaking engagements that were definitely on the conservative side. But again, you had to just watch your social media and that kind of thing. And it's very freeing to not have to worry about that anymore and just be able to post whatever the heck I want to. I'm not worried about, you know, anyone else getting hurt except for me. And uh, I I tell my kids, hey, if you're ever uncomfortable, let me know. And I have yet to hear from them. So (laughs) I think I'm all right. Sounds like all's working in the right direction there. Yes. Um, Well, I want to talk uh, a little NFL. Obviously, um, it's one of my biggest, uh, funnest things to talk about. Um, but I want to I want to deal with this subject first because you made actually mention of it on your uh, Twitter feed this last week, and it has to do with the um, with the incident with Buffalo Bills, uh, uh, Mr. Hamlin, and and what happened yes. on the field, and it's kind yep. of been an inspiring uh, story. And even if people this week were watching the Tampa Bay Dallas game on Monday night, there was a you know a very scary uh, kind of moment there in the second half. Yeah where um, the Tampa Bay player, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but he, he had to be carried off. And I think everybody, the first thing that went through their head was, you know, uh, what's what's going on? And a yeah. lot of people, Michelle, did not know, and I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't know, but a lot of people did not know that the NFL has a lot of players that after every game in every city, on every field of play, that happen to be God-fearing, usually Christians, that come yeah. together and pray at the center of the field 
uh, and they do so every game, every every season, every cycle. And the, I think the Hamlin story kind of brought that out. But you kind of pondered on this a little bit on Twitter, saying this is a good thing for us to be talking about prayer in the sports arena. You know, I, I think it is. I, I don't know why we've become so afraid of that term, pray or prayer. And I found something interesting, in, interesting uh, recently in Buffalo, the Sabres. The NHL team came out after DeMar was hospitalized. And instead of wearing shirts that said, pray for DeMar, like the entire NFL was right. using the slogan, pray for DeMar. I hate to term that a slogan, but you know what I mean. Right. Those three words, they, their shirts said love for DeMar. And I wondered why that, if that was an intentional staying away from the word pray so they wouldn't look. Look, I live here in Minnesota where recently at the Mall of America, a guy was asked to take off his shirt that said Jesus saves or to leave the mall. And so, you know, that to me is really not an offensive shirt. And the, he was told if he wanted to continue to shop there to take it off or he could just leave. And it, it's gone viral. The video has gone viral. And it, it's embarrassing to me as a Minnesotan to think that if one person's offended by a shirt or a couple people in a massive mall are offended by a shirt that a guy should be accosted by security and, and be told you can't wear that shirt just because it says Jesus saves uh, or Jesus is the answer. I mean, I, we're looking for stuff to be offended by in this day and age. And it's, I just loved that people weren't afraid of that in that moment yeah. with DeMar, you know? Well, and it, it kind of confirms something for me that I've thought about football for a long time. And that is, if you really understand the kind of DNA of the sport and where it comes from in small towns and largely southern uh, Bible Belt-ish areas and so many people that come up through the ranks to the pros, you know, start out with, uh, you know, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athlete Clubs on their campus and all kinds of other things. It shouldn't shock anybody that you have a lot of people that do pray uh, in the NFL and that they that they get together, opposing teams, um, coaches, players, uh, medical staff, whoever, and they come together and they do this uh, after every game. I think is something that's that's a good example for the rest of the country. You know, it's 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 great that the NFL doesn't try to make this stop. Right. Um, you know, and that I I hope they don't because I think they will pay mightily if they ever did and i'm not suggesting that they're thinking about it i just i just say that kind of in an offhand have you way, wondered it yes. though in the back of your mind well no i haven't i, I mean just that there was that college thing that happened yep. or a high school coach high school that coach. got fired yeah. yes so that 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 can always be a precursor you just never know these days what you're going to get but i will tell you that i've stood there on that field and waited for many post-game interviews to, you know, Michelle, he's in prayer right now. We'll get him as soon as he's out of the <laughs> prayer. And and I thought, you know, that's a real commitment. And it's what these guys believe and what they feel. And, and I've become more curious because so many of the really successful coaches, players, assistant coaches, athletic trainers, whatever, these people are highly successful individuals at, at their given profession. And so many of them have a really deep faith and that intrigues me. It yeah. really does. I, I've become more interested in finding out why it, what it keeps them faithful, especially as we see, see, see so much in this world that is, makes us question things. Well, when you hear the stories of like Tony Dungy and his wife and the loss of their son, and, yeah. and uh, so there's just, there's just a hundred of them that you could uh, rip off. And yes, the, the, their faith has guided them. And I like to know that people that have a moral core are guiding 
these men, these young men, as they are, you know, beginning their careers and having influence on them. I think the more good men that lead younger men, the better society be becomes. Um, and we and we don't see enough of that sometimes yeah. in very important places like inner cities and, and other places. Um, let, let, let me move on to, to some of the fun stuff. Um, this last week on Monday night, um, I was told by every uh, Dallas hater in my life that uh, <laughs> that Tom Brady was going to dust off the rust and it was going to he they were he was going to come for them and it was going to be eight wins and zero losses against the Dallas Cowboys and uh, my assessment was that Micah Parsons took that a little bit personally <laughs> uh, and I think that. Um, Dak was playing for his life, and I think that the combination of that motivation seemed to really come to fruition. How do you shape up the divisional matchups and, and what you're seeing coming out of the wild card round? Well, that was a fun wild card round. It really One of the was the best fun. I've seen in it recent years. It was really actually. fun. Yeah. It was really fun. I didn't expect myself. You know, I people ask me if I miss the sidelines. Do I miss being there? And I, I honestly, I was so prepared for this that I don't. I, I, I love being at home watching. And you, I do you don't want to be on the sidelines in Buffalo with the blowing z minus zero mm -hmm. wind chill and. No, I'm I'm walking my dog in the same weather here in Minnesota. So no, I do not. Yeah, but not while the game's going on. You're sitting in in front of your 70 inch plasma. Yeah, yeah, just with a with a nice warm fire going. That's it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I don't envy that. I, look, I did it for so long, and I loved every minute of it, and I wouldn't trade it for for much of anything. Um, but I, I I was ready. So watching it though, I I've, I've just been surprised at how much fun. I've been having watching it. And that Dallas game, I'll say this, and I tweeted this out after the game, do you want to be the team that faces Dallas right now? They look extremely confident, which is something that, look, I've covered so many Dallas games. I think I've done more Dallas games than any other team in the NFL. But you I'm, do know I'm, how they played the week before. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes, I understand that. Um, but, you know, look, they looked really, really good. Yeah. And um, I, so – that can start a role. That can really start a role. It's it's how you're playing and when you're playing that way. That is so key. So um, you know, it, it's going to be tough for San Francisco. And but gosh, what a story in San Francisco! Oh, it's going to be a great Rock game. Purdy kid. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's see, these are the things that for me make sports the most fun. And I know for fans, it's like it's my team. It's my team. Yeah, I get that, and I'm with you. But. I also some of the storylines, some yep. of the, the characters that are born in these moments are just just really well, you know, there's people pulling for the bills this year that, that they probably didn't even like them in past years. And, and absolutely, you know, the Bengals are a good comeback story this year. I mean, Dallas, Dallas beat uh, them. They've beaten Philadelphia. They've beaten New York. Uh, they didn't play San Francisco. But they've beaten a lot of the teams that are still left in the field, and it's going to be interesting mm -hmm. to see how that comes down. Let me let me ask you NFC specifically. Um, does does New York or San Francisco have a better shot at breaking through on the team that looks like it's the hotter one? Oh, I, it's a great question. Because um, I was surprised at how well the Giants played and I was very too. dominant I was in their too. performance. I, I mean, it was, yes. Now, I will say this. The Vikings' defense was pathetic yeah, and and not what the Vikings are known for. I mean, I, I, that's what, to me, has been so disappointing about the Vikings this year. This is a team that's always had the purple people eaters and, you know, just great defenses, and they haven't this year. And so 
you have to ask yourself, okay, the Giants played that defense, number 31 in the league uh, in terms of, uh, of overall defense. And I, I'm just not sure that the, the Giants will go much further. Philadelphia is a way. much different uh, animal is much what you're different. saying. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, San Francisco scares me as a Dallas fan. Um, they're very I, versatile I, yeah. and they're yeah. very, they're very non-conventional. There's no other team that plays their kind of offense and kind of what they do. And so unless you're an NFC West, uh, opponent, you don't really get a good look at anything that looks like them during the year, especially with, with McCaffrey and Samuel and, you know, the way they, they come at you with all those different, uh, pieces. Yeah. That, I think McCaffrey was one of the most brilliant signings we can say that now with 2020 hindsight right yeah. i mean people were saying why are they adding this guy well now we know i yep. mean it just a, they know what to do with the pieces that they have they have an, a a great way of knowing exactly how to use their puzzle pieces and where they fit in and i think that that's what makes san francisco unique as well and i mean then you take this third string quarterback and you're going oh my gosh this can't really be happening it's such a great story i don't know how long it lasts but they they also have a tremendous. Well, you defense, used so. the word confident earlier. I think that I think that Purdy's confidence has grown every week that he's that he's been active. Um, yeah, and I, it, you, I could see that going a couple ways. I could see him continue to roll with that that sort of nonchalance of look, I'm a third string guy, not a lot expected of me. Or, my gosh, I'm doing really well. It, we're getting closer here. In your mind, have they played a Dallas style defense? Oh. I, I'm not. I can't answer that because Micah Micah is a load, and they did exactly what they needed to with him last. You know night. what? They moved you know him around. Looked, yes, and and Leighton Vanderash looked really good last. Yeah, it was good it's to so have him good back to too. see him. Yeah. have you know playing as well as he is because there have been so many ups and downs for that guy in his career. I wasn't even sure he was going to stay in Dallas, but um, so yeah, I, look, that's that's the key, right? It's all about matchups and who, who plays the better chess match. I'm so looking forward to that game, yeah. and I know that. Uh, my son, who's a huge 49ers fan, is a little nervous. <laughs> well, that's I'll take that as a, as, a, as a bright spot for me. Real quickly, <laughs> AFC, Cincinnati goes to Buffalo, Jaguars go to Kansas City. Is, uh, is Trevor Lawrence's run over this year? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think they, they faced a colossal collapse by, by San, I keep saying San Diego, by right. the L.A. Chargers. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's done for them. I think it's Kansas City is just too much. I personally, I, I would love to see the Bills keep going. I, I, I'm a huge fan of that team in terms of what they stand for, who they are as people, the city of Buffalo, what it's been through, the whole DeMar story adds another layer did, to that. Did the foot get off the gas just a little at the end of the season for them? Because it looked like they were going to roll through the AFC early on. Yeah, it did, and it, it it may have. I mean, look, they had other things on their mind too, you know. Um, and they squeaked past Miami. I, I give a lot of credit to Miami and that defense and what they did in the wild card round. I, I, I it was very impressive to me. Yeah, you're talking uh, about a Dolphins team with almost no offense. So uh, right, and right, they, and they were right and, there with them. Yeah, right. So I think if anything, that could be a massive, just kind of a reminder to the Bills: you're in the playoffs now. Things are different. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati's going to be tough for them to handle. Uh, so again, I, these are when you get to the playoffs. I'm just smiling the whole time because it's what it's all about. I, it's what it's all about, and I don't really have skin in the game. That was one of the great gifts of being a sideline reporter. You weren't allowed to cheer for a team, you yeah. know, like I was pr prior to that. I was a, I was raised a 49ers fan. That all went away, and it's such it's it makes life so much simpler. It, it didn't, it didn't truly go away. You just buried it very deeply. 
well, I buried it, but you know what? I'm no longer really that 49ers fan. I think living in Minnesota for so long, I've come to pull for the Vikings a Skull. little bit. But now it's now it's about individuals. Now it's about players and coaches that I've yeah. gotten to know really well and that I've I've sat in meetings with and gotten to know them a little more personally than than I would have if I was just watching on TV. So it's it's now it's about personalities and pulling for people that I consider friends or I consider worthwhile heroes in, in there's so you know, many undercurrent that stories that are going to be played out this next weekend and we'll be uh, enjoying it right alongside you michelle tafoya final question um who's the best sideline reporter in the game right now right now yeah. you know what i, I i'll tell you why i'm not going to answer that question <laughs> I, I no really i i think everyone has strengths and weaknesses and very few weaknesses if you're on the networks um, you know, everyone is is really solid at their job. And I I always hated it when people said you're one of the best or you're the best. I'm like, because if they said you're one of the best, I'll say, well, I'm not well, one of the best. The best. Yeah, exactly. And if they said you're the best, I would say, come on now. I'm not the best. There are a bunch of us that are really good. So I don't like to say there's one person who's the best. Um, I'll leave it at that. All right. Fair enough. Michelle Tafoya, host of Sideline Sanity. You can get it anywhere that podcasts are aggregated at, which is just about every podcast aggregator. Uh, but just look for Michelle Tafoya and Sideline Sanity. Michelle, we'll talk to you again down the road. But uh, thanks for being part of the Salem family. And thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back. <laughs> 